you know, having the business partner, having people that you can drive through the trenches with and, and take down every barrier and, and, and win every battle with is, is incredibly important and incredibly awesome to do. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we have with us a special guest, one who's recently honored as a finalist in the EMY Midwest Entrepreneur of the Year Gala, Gary Walter, president of Infotor Data Solutions, excuse me, a company focused on data-driven customer identity management. Don't worry, we'll get into what that means in a bit. During our time together, we're going to go over a wide variety of topics from sales process to effectively scaling a business, understanding what it takes to go from family-owned business to private equity owned. I'm sure we'll probably talk about ways data is used in marketing as well. So it's going to be a great episode. Gary, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Chad. I'm incredibly honored to be on the show today. Uh, you guys have done an awesome job with this pod- podcast. Sorry. Uh, you have some great guests, really good contact. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to be uh, invited on the show here. We, uh, we implemented the value selling framework that you guys are uh, very familiar with uh, several months ago, and it's really changed um, how we how we approach sales, how we scale, how we scale our sales team, and how we uh, how we do everything. So I was very very excited to be on the uh, invited on the podcast today. Perfect, perfect. So we always start with kind of an oddball question. It's more of a just uh, give the audience a chance to get to know you. And I for, I don't know why for some reason I've been on this kick lately. Always interested to understand what hobby or or a passion you have that you pursue that those who know you largely in a work environment might be surprised to learn about you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking that, Chad. Um, you know, family first for me. I have three kids under five years old, uh, and my oldest son he has Down syndrome. So we're you know we're a top advocate for my for my son Hudson as well as the Down syndrome community in general. And it's just something that we you know we're very passionate about, and we put a lot of time and effort and focus into to making sure that kids with Down syndrome can have the best experiences out there. Uh, and then outside of family, you know, everything outside from bikes to boats and CrossFit, I uh, I like to eat a lot. So I have to keep in shape a lot at the same time to keep everything moving around. I don't know how you get it all done. Three kids, building a business, all of that stuff. I don't know how you get it all done in a day. That's amazing. We uh, it, it all sounds good and ranking and prioritizing all of those things. They, uh, it, it just takes a lot of time to try and try and get it all done. I wish I had more time to, to make all those things happen. But, uh, you know, try and hit one thing a day and you're, you're good to go. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So for our listeners, give them a little more context around Infutor Data Solutions uh, and the work your team does there. Right. Um, so Infutor is a, a company I'm very, very proud of. Fam- we were a family-owned business. We sold a good portion of the business to Norwest Venture Partners in 2016 to really help accelerate the growth. But everything we do is around consumer identity management. And you know, when we started the company in, in 2003, our vision was to transform data into insights so that brands and platforms can identify, find, and delight their customers. And so really, we help companies connect one-to-one with their customers by leveraging our vast identity graph and every, all the good data that we bring in here to provide real-time identities, attributes, and insights to have better customer engagements in the marketplace. And so when we when we talk about that, this gives companies the ability to understand the individuals that are that make up their entire customer base. But then how would a customer 
take action on that? Are they going to take your, you know, your guys' uh, data readouts or whatever, and then that input into or or impact the way marketing campaigns are created or the way the customer journey is defined? How how would a customer use the information and data that you guys are providing? Yeah, it's both of those things. It starts with the customer journey and then ultimately flows through to how marketing campaigns are executed on the, on the back end of the system. And so, Chad, you know, thinking both from the, from the beginning, we want to help companies use data to provide the best experience and the most efficient experience they can with the consumer in general. So there's a lot of ways. That's a very general statement. And there's a lot of ways that that takes place within the customer journey all the way through the marketing execution campaigns. And so let me give you an example of, of, of what that means. And, you know, when, when you go and we meet a new person out there and everyone out there, they kind of go, they maybe or any sales professional goes and they start researching the company's website and any information they can to try and make their customer and their sales pitch and their, and their engagement a little bit easier to take place and a little bit easier to happen. Well, how do you do that when you're trying to sell directly to a consumer when something's just come through on a website or a phone call comes into a call center or an anonymous interaction comes through, through through some sort of means of communication? How do you make that engagement more efficient? And then ultimately, how do you how do you cycle that through from the moment of ingestion of data, the anonymous ingestion of data, all the way through the CRM layer, all the way up to the back end when you're trying to re-engage with the customer and upsell and cross those cross all those things? So we want to insert our identities, attributes, and insights in each layer of that campaign. So we want to start, take maybe a phone number and help and help uh, a call center agent or somebody on the back end have better understanding of who their customers are and who they're talking to on that phone call. Is this person going to be an older individual who's interested in a certain type of product or, an, or a younger individual who's interested in a different type of product that they can afford different things or take different actions upon in that end? And then really, once you become a customer, we want to help companies maintain their CRM systems. We want to help them keep their keep them up to date, and then ultimately provide analytics services on top of that, and then create audiences to define new customers in order to, you know, generate more interest and more sales and, and everything that goes along with it. Does, does that make sense, Chad? Yeah. So so we're we're enabling segmentation and connection at at, at any stage of say a, a customer journey from maybe a low maybe maybe low awareness of a brand, but they have some high interest in solving a problem. So maybe like in your example, you they capture a phone number somehow. But as they go through that journey, you're collecting and building out almost a, a profile of the individuals. And I would assume aggregating the data so that the marketing, either other marketing technologies can take advantage of it or marketing teams can take advantage of it to ensure that they are optimizing acquisition, retention, and delight or that, that experience that consumers are looking for today. Am I, am I repeating that back about it? Yeah, that's... That's exactly correct. We want to take you. So before you even start working with a company, we want to help that company that you're engaging with start building out an awareness and understanding of who you are and what the best things that that company can do for you are all the way out to the back end to provide the best offers, best products, best services. You know, one of the, one of the, um, you know, one of the fundamental challenges in the marketplaces in, in marketing in general is this, it's, if you put the wrong product in front of the wrong consumer, you're wasting a lot of time, energy, dollars that could have otherwise been spent to better target, better personalize, and better engage with an individual in the marketplace in order to help drive up those sales rates as quickly as possible. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, data is, data is knowledge is power. And, and unfortunately many companies today swim in it, but don't know what to do with it. So to have a solution, to have a company like inventory, be able to help them make it actionable, uh, is kind of a, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like a no brainer to me, right? I, you want that data because yeah, it's one, one, one of the interaction. Yeah, it's one of those big challenges that we see. We see a lot of companies that collect a lot of data and it just gets put into different silos and different buckets and companies make acquisitions and divestitures and people come and people go. And ultimately, there's all these different input sources of data and they're all disparate and fractional, unidentified, uncorroborated, uncollapsed pieces of data that come through. And we really want to look at the data, look at the data collection processes and procedures and the quality of that data as it's coming into any company and help put that into a single comprehensive profile or a view about who people are, what they're interested in, and even what they're doing with the company as it is today. So you can think of, you know, large brands out there who have acquired multiple, multiple end user product lines from retail to automotive to all those types of things. And, you know, the worst experience somebody can have, it's, it's happened at a, a large nonprofit that I work with quite a bit is, you know, somebody makes a donation into, into, into a, a nonprofit and the response back that they get is, thank you for being a first-time donor. <laughs> and this person who's made this donation has been donating hundreds of thousands of dollars for years upon years. So that totally kills and totally ruins that engagement cycle. And you're basically, you know, going to start from scratch and that, you know, and now you've got to start and try and find a new, acquire a new customer, which is going to be a higher cost of acquisition versus being able to try and retain and cross-sell and upsell that individual. So really understanding what you've done with people how that data has come in and how those individuals have interacted with you is, is so critically important to all businesses out there. And it's a hard problem. It's a hard challenge to solve. I mean, it's taking, you know, taking this intangible pieces of data in the marketplace and, and these intangible inputs and trying to make them actionable and tangible and train people and teach people and have them get a good understanding of what to do with their internal data. It's, it's, a, it's a big challenge across a lot of industries and, and tons of companies out there. An amazing ROI, right? Amazing ROI if you can, when you get it, when a company gets it down, when they actually can optimize their, their data intake, the way they analyze it, the way they, they act on it so that it's informing, it's accurately informed business decisions, campaign decisions, marketing decisions, even acquisition or divestiture. I mean, that data becomes so critical and being able to trust it and rely on it is something that we, I personally have seen companies across the board struggle with. And it sounds like something that Infutory can definitely help with. Yeah, something definitely we can help with. And look, it's a big concept and a big topic. And, you know, you can, you, you can go all the way and, and, and dive into the deep end and, and how, you, how you approach all these things. But, but just in the end for, you know, just to begin with, you know, there's simple twists and turns and some levers and screws that you can push and pull to make the data usable at the upfront, just upfront if you're doing nothing today. Just some simple standardization, some simple quality things will help you start understand the value of data. So you don't have to dive something into spend millions of dollars to stand up a whole data warehousing and dupe system or anything like that out there. You can start with some simple, quick API calls just to get your name, addresses, and phone numbers standardized and usable, and then expand on the use cases as, as you get more intelligent and more um, comfortable with using data in different ways. Perfect. All right. So let's, let's talk scale of the company. Now you, you mentioned it was family owned, you know, the beginning was around 2003, according to the website. And I, I love on the website it says humble, humble beginnings. And now, now we're, you know, 2016 investment. Um, that's a, you know, that's a big jump. In a, in a relatively short amount of time, and maybe it didn't feel that way, but in a relatively short time. And it's odd in my experience to see family-owned businesses make that 
that move willingly or, or have had that plan from the beginning. So help us understand 2003, you come out, what are we focused on? What were you taking to market when you first turned on the lights at Infutor? Yeah. So, so really, you know, 2003, my dad started the company. It was the, the first evolution of, the, of, of Infutor. So I talk about us in evolutions or versions, and I would say we're in our third version of the company right now. And I'll kind of just give a brief description of all three of them, you know, version one, you know, my dad had um, had been working in the data business at Dun and Bradstreet and other companies for years upon years, and just you know saw a need for better, more robust, actionable mailing data. Quite honestly, just going back to you know, mail is still prevalent, still is today, but you know it was really the uh, the um, the best asset for direct mail in the marketplace. And so he really just had a vision of coming out with a a very unique way of building, standardizing, completing, correcting, and updating name and address data. And it's just a very important component of everything that that any that I, any company needed at that time, you know. And then I joined him shortly after. There was about six employees, six or seven employees at the time. We had our office here in Chicago. We had another um, software and data development facility with about three or four people in Costa Rica, and we really scaled every aspect of the business from there. And you know, so we grew nicely for a couple of years, and we began just making building more identity components of the data and making those usable to the marketplace between the period of 2003 and probably for the next eight years, eight, nine years to 2012. And I, I use these frames, these points of time because that's when my dad passed away. And that's actually when I took over as CEO in 2012. And so we started looking in 2012 then, and we said, Hey, we, we are a great company with a really, really great platform and really great foundation level of data and products that we can provide out to the marketplace. And, you know, that's always a turning point for family owned businesses when the founder dies or something like that. It's, you know, you're never, you're never prepared. Even if you prepare, we were never prepared. We had no idea what we were going to do and, and, and that stuff. But, you know, we really, uh, we sat down, we sat down together as a team and we started just, you know, creating, creating what we would call a normal structure to a company and how we want to go forward, creating, official tech teams and product teams and um, and sales teams at very base levels that, that we just didn't have before. I mean, we were an entrepreneurial driven company and every opportunity that was put in front of us was a good opportunity to go after and, and do it, but start looking at market awareness, market problems, and really try to build repeatable standardized products out there off of the good foundation level of data that we had. That allowed us to I think double the size of the business in probably a three-year period. So I would say version one, we had a you know a moderately good growth rate. Version two, we doubled the size of the business in three years, and that's when we went. And that's when I you know I said, hey guys, guys and girls, we really can supercharge this business. I know, I know in my heart that we can be a big company and we can be very valuable in the marketplace out there. And in order to do that, we 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 needed some additional capital. We needed to build out some functions and really really professionalize what a family-owned business would be with process, procedure, frameworks, strategy, and execution. And that's when I went out to, uh, to Norwest Venture Partners and John, um, and John Casso, our, our lead investor there. And, you know, we talked about it and that was kind of our plan. Our vision was we're going to create, we're going to, we're going to take this really great asset that we've got. We're going to professionalize this and we're going to put a supercharger on this business and really help bring in a lot of really good, smart, talented people that can help accelerate that growth. And, you know, since then, we've doubled the size of the business again. So that's been another uh, about two and a half years since we've been able to uh, to do that again. And it's really been an awesome journey. And it's really, you know, I'm so proud of, of what we've been able to accomplish going from, you know, six or seven people when we started to, you know, when I started at least up to, you know, I think we've got about 140 employees today. So it's just really been an awesome, awesome growth path. 
Well, and it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting mental mind shift journey too, right? You, you saw the opportunity you saw out of tragedy came an opportunity to, you know, people can go several ways and I'm very, very sorry to hear about your father. You can go several ways. Yeah, with thank that, you. The impact that that has on you as a human being on your family, on this business that you guys had all done together and you rose to that occasion and, and doubled it, you know, doubled the business, got everybody on the same page. And now, now we're going to the next level with the, with the Norwest stuff. Aside from actually seeing that opportunity and, and, you know, dealing with that, with that tragedy and turning it into an opportunity, what other ways did you find your own mindset having to change as you went through this journey? Were there, were there shifts in the way you looked at the business or things that you had to come to terms with as you grow, as you grew? What kind of, what was the kind of the mental landscape as you were going through this? Yeah, I think, you know, you know, the, the, the mindset of the, of, of any entrepreneur in, in that situation has to change. And it's really, you know, mine was just really, really telling myself that I'm, that I am unstoppable, that, that people cannot take this away from me. We are a great company. We're going to build this company and nothing is going to stand away. And the challenges, any challenge that's put in front of us, we can knock those barriers down. And so really you have to just start shifting away from, and, and really, I think the biggest challenge from going from a small to a mid to a larger size company, the mindset shift is from, from as a leader is going from doer to teacher, to mentor, you know, do that whole transition to, you know, enabling other people around you and trusting and enabling and letting go of control and letting people fly on their own and, and, and build their own destiny while still trying to go towards one common goal and one common vision. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that a lot of people struggle with when they build and they try to grow and scale a company going from, you know, 5 million to 25 million to 40 million to 120 million. You Throughout that time, the leader has to continually let go, trust, care for those people, nurture people, uh, enable them to really fly on their own and take off in order to drive those next evolution and those next horizons of the business. And, you know, that was something that I struggled with at the beginning a little bit. And, you know, it just gets easier as time goes on. And as you start to surround yourself with people that are a lot smarter than you, and you really start to see those people charge forward. And it's really, you know, it's, it's probably one of the things I'm most proud of. Well, and, and it's, I mean, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting transition, right? To see it done successfully. I've, I've seen it done from family or say founder owned company to that wall. There's that moment where somebody has to let go and some people can pull it off. Some people can get there and, and some people can't. And then what happens from there is anybody's guess, right? So to see you be able to do that and and understand that you know that progression and go through that, uh, definitely something to be proud of, especially with the results that you guys have produced. Now, anybody else listening to this, considering going down this path, maybe they've got a family, you know, family-owned business, or maybe it's a founder-run business. What two major takeaways or learnings would you share from share from your experience to them? Yeah, I think, you know, you know, it's always interesting. And, um, you know, I think about this quite a bit. What were the things that I learned? What would I do differently if I, if I was doing it again? And, you know, how do you think about that going forward? And it's, you know, really finding the team of people that you can trust and collaborate with and, and build upon. I think that's an, an incredibly important thing. I mean, trying to do it all and take it all on yourself and your shoulders and, and bear this brunt and charge forward it doesn't grow. It doesn't scale. It doesn't, it doesn't, it is ultimately going to give you more gray hairs than you want to have out there. So surrounding yourself with really good people that you can, you know, bond with and collaborate with and have a shared vision is, is so critically important. And that's from an internal perspective. And that was really what was awesome. Awesome for me, you know, as we started building out our leadership team in here and, and I brought in a great business partner, Jeff Beard, 
that just knew everything about growing and scaling and business and, and building, building small businesses within larger businesses and all the aspects and all the things that we would challenge together and knocking down every barrier together has really been awesome an awesome experience for me. But then you have the flip side of the equation is you go and you say, Hey, we're going to let some other owners in here and we're going to have a board of directors and we're going to have, um, you know, people who put money in the business and, you know, they have different, they have expectations of the business, of the growth rate, of the trajectory that, that need to be, you know, you need to do as well. And so, you know, having the business partner, having people that you can drive through the trenches with and, and take down every barrier and, and, and win every battle with is, is incredibly important and incredibly awesome to do internally. And then you start looking externally as well. And how do you manage investors and how do you co- collaborate, communicate with them? And I think, you know, one of the things that was re- incredibly important is to establish that that vision match with your investors and where you want this company to go and what you guys want to do together is incredibly important to do and make sure that you always have that guiding light that you guys are looking back in. So everyone's got trials, tribulations, successes, failures, and all those things. But if you can articulate what that vision is and why you're doing something and why something has been successful in helping accelerate you to that guiding light or why you maybe have failed at something or stumbled across something along the way, but still articulating, Hey, I took these risks. I took these challenges. They didn't work out but I was trying to accelerate us towards that, towards that goal line. And we really thought that we could do it, but, but Hey, we're going to measure it. We learned from it. We're going to go back and take a left turn and go back, you know, and try something different this next time and ultimately getting that. But, but having those clear com- communication channels and being open to feedback and, you know, taking all the opinions in um, that you can get from a lot of people out there and, and making those best decisions is, is uh, one of the key learnings that I've been able to, to take away and just, you know, everyone's got good ideas. It's like, I always talk about data. All data is good data. It's just how you use data, how you make it actual, how you use it. It's, you got to take all those inputs in and sift through all of it, but then ultimately have a vision, have a purpose, and, and have a have a plan how to execute is, is really what's incredibly important out there. Excellent. Excellent. So you mentioned earlier, you knew you were going to have to invest in, in process, methodology, frameworks, those types of things. What, um, when, when you went out to do that, when you, you set the goal in you know, 2016, we'll take the investment, we're going to invest in all this stuff. What were the things that you invested in to help set that foundation for growth internally? Well, I, I think the better question is what did we not invest in as, <laughs> in as far as business goes? I mean, we looked at everything across the company and said, we can make it all better. We knew we had this great foundation of customers, customer success, really being good and collaborative with our customers. And that, that is the core value that we could never walk away from that we always had to maintain and be very strict about. But we really knew, you know, we, we knew we had to start with the brand itself. And so, you know, bringing in, we brought in, um, his name's Dave Digg, a CMO, and we had a great, a great marketing team here internally, um, between Michelle and Mallory and some of the other folks that we have here. They've done such an incredible job at building out our brand and building out the demand gen engine within our marketing uh, function to start helping people just hear who we are and hear the story that we have and understand some of the thought leaderships and the findings that we've had here and just making that stuff go out there. I, I am not a great marketing person. I don't come up with good product names, but I'm very good at data. And so helping someone come in that could put some good product names together, build brand awareness, make sure we're going to the right trade shows, making sure we're executing it all the way and making sure that we're publishing content on a, on a, on a regular basis, just so, just so people can hear about us and get known and doing and, and everything we do. And so, you know, we've really focused on that, on building the brand and building the culture here internally. We're probably the two things that we started with. So the external view of who the company is, and then also the internal view from employees and from a talent acquisition point of view. So what values are most important to the company? What is our official vision 
mission, vision, and values of the company and where we're going and what we're doing, and then building a culture and a brand around that so that we can start bringing in, you know, continuing to bring in top talent. I think we've, I, th- I mean, I, I want to say we've hired almost 90 people in the last, you know, three years. And so that's been an incredibly difficult process, but it's, but it's gone very, very well because we adhere, because we, you know, stick to that foundational, those values of the foundational brand itself. And so those were some of the, those were two things that we, you know, we invested in early on. We focused on early on in our partnership with, uh, with Norwest Venture Partners. And then we started going from there. So, you know, with private equity company, we're focused on sales. So we had to go from, uh, we had to build out a sales team, build out a sales capacity. So went from, you know, me and maybe two other hunters and, and um, some account managers alongside of us doing most of the sales to building out a fully capable sales capacity team. And then, and so that was really good. So I think we've got about um, 25 to 26 person sales staff now, four different sales teams, and it's a really efficient sales cycle and sales process that we go through. So the fully defined sales funnel, you know, this, this stuff didn't matter because it was me and I knew every opportunity and I knew all the customers and all those things. And so, you know, building out that scalable sales capacity was one of the things that we really focused on early on. And it's, it's gone incredibly well. And, you know, kudos to you guys too. The value selling framework has been something that's been incredibly transformative to our business. Being able to speak to business issues, problems, solutions, value, and the power and the plan. It's just, it's how we approach every sale out there and how we approach every customer engagement and using that value prompter all the way through the cycle. It allows us to scale the team and allows, you know, me to still be able to have a good solid conversation with any of our sales reps, any of our account managers, any of our customer service reps out there to understand what we're trying to do for a customer and how we're trying to help them and what the plan is to make this, you know, to, to provide value for both sides of the equation has just been an incredible framework for us to scale the sales team out there. So then, and then you move into technology and we moved all of our technology into uh, Amazon web services. So we went from uh, data centers here internally. We still made the, maintain some of that. We still maintain the data centers, but really, how do we scale this to be able to handle any volume of customer, any amount of customer coming in? And so we brought in a great CTO, John Barnes. We, we found him locally here in Chicago. He came from building out cloud infrastructure and, and uh, cloud product, cloud-based products at, at Salesforce. And, you know, John was just a really great fit from a culture perspective, from a brand perspective, and from a vision perspective of we've got great data. We want to make this data scalable. We want to make our product scalable. And we also don't want to... Uh, spend all of our money at the same time doing all that stuff. And so we did that. And then we also, we invested in a great CFO to help us manage all these costs because, Hey, we're spending a lot of money at this point, <laughs> uh, but we still want to maintain growth and profitability. We want to drive top line. We want to drive profitability and we want to continue to invest in the business. And so, you know, all of those levers, all of those things internally that we're trying to manage, it allowed us to continue to develop, to drive top line scale and build a great brand and build great products and build great technology with us at the same time while still while still having a growing company, which is an incredibly difficult task to do and do it in a short period of time. It's been an awesome experience. I mean, something I can never, I can never go back and trade in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's a journey, right? It's, it's never over. So now you're, you're headed into 2020 and beyond. And so what do you see, um, you know, as the strategic things you're, you're focused on, I mean, obviously sales, obviously, you know, getting more revenue, but as you continue to lead the team and manage that growth, what do you, you know, what are you focusing on as you go into 2020 and beyond to ensure that that foundation you've put in place, uh, is continually reinforced and practiced and, you know, how are you working? Yeah. Yeah. So so the three things I focus on every day, I mean, I go, you know, I go to bed and I wake up thinking about three things every day and, uh, you know, the, you know, product innovation and product, def- uh, product evolution, specifically in our ID suite. So identities, attributes, and insights, thinking around how do we 
how do we continue to evolve and iterate, develop new product, um, provide be market leaders in those product areas. And so, you know, starting with our ID suite from our ID verification products and our ID resolution products, scaling that into digital identities, so mobile mobile ad IDs and helping connect the online and offline world together with those things, as well as continuing to innovate in our um, in our analytics function. So the insights about what people want, why they're good customers, why they're not bad, why they're bad customers, what are the best channels to communicate with those people in, and what are the best messages to drive back to people. So scaling and building out the analytics function, you know, we, we, we recently acquired uh, Roof Strategic Solutions out of Kansas City to help us accelerate and drive that um, to drive that analytics function. And they had a great customer set or a great segmentation tool that connects interactive uh, profiles and the connects cluster coding system. It's a segmentation tool really to allow us to accelerate our analytics capabilities and then uh, give us a good base to work off of as we continue to move forward. So, I mean, that product innovation, product evolution, continuing to stay ahead of the marketplace, continuing to stay ahead of our competitors out there, continuing to develop and bring new products, new product to fruition in a scalable and efficient and trainable manner is something that's, you know, I constantly think about. And then, you know, sales efficiency, sales execution, any, any leader to the company, that's what we got to think about. So sales execution, specifically efficiency of the sales funnel and accountability along with sales teams as well. That's something that we think about a lot. And then I think the bigger overarching thing that all of us in the data world think around is, is privacy and compliance of the data. You know, we are good stewards of the data that we have here that we work with. We work with customers' data. We work with our own internal data. We work with suppliers' data. We have to be good stewards of that, and we have to put trust, security, and privacy and compliance first and foremost in anything that we do. Everyone hears around the data breaches out there in the marketplace from the large companies to small companies to people going to websites and, you know, just being able to find find different data out there. And then it ends up in, you know, in the newspapers in there. And so keeping our data secure and compliant and protected and protecting consumer privacy and consumer identity is probably the overarching theme that we think about all the time. And so we've put a ton of effort in that since day one of the company. I mean, it's just always been a, a, a driver of what we do. And if, if, if you can't establish that level of trust with people out there, with the companies you're working with and the customers and suppliers that you're working with, then, you know, you're just, you're, you're not good for the business and you're not good for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. First is simply as a president, as a, as a executive running a company, this makes you a prospect for other individuals looking to sell you things. And I'm always curious to hear when somebody doesn't have a referral into you or a reference, there's not, there's not some mutual trusted connection. What have you seen be most effective for you for someone to approach you and earn the right to get 15, 20 minutes on your calendar? Yeah, so that, that's, a good, that's, a, that's a good question. And I've listened to that in a couple of the other podcasts that you guys have put out there. And I think the one thing that uh, there's probably two things, and it's a, my answer is a little bit different than, than most of the other people. I go kind of both ends of the spectrum on, on what I'll respond to. And when people try to uh, engage with me and try and sell us new products out there, I like on the, on the one side of the spectrum, a really good um, identifying a good, solid business issue as well as trying to make a personal connection with that credibility intro. So they see that I'm an outdoor advocate, connect on that hiking, biking, whatever it might be, say that they had a similar experience, as well as tying it back to how that ties back to that salesperson as an individual and the product they're doing, that they're selling out there. And I always, you know, I give people a lot of credit when they go that extra effort to do that research. And I think that deserves time. 
and that deserves a phone call to at least hear out what they have to say. And then I go complete opposite end of the, of the spectrum and someone just says, hey, I have this, this, and this, do you want it? And I really respect the person that does that as well because I can tell them no really quickly or I can tell them yes really quickly. <laughs> and so I, so it's some, you know, I don't know where the middle lies there. If someone just starts going off in tangents and tasks and it ends up being too much of a can company intro or something like that. I really like that personal connection. I like building bonds. I'm very much of a relationship person out there in the marketplace. I take all of my, you know, every, every, all of my relationships are personal. My personal brand is very important. So people that try to connect with me and try and do that, that's very, very important. And also it's just, Hey, there's only so many hours in the day. If you've got a, B and C, I can tell you yes or no really quickly. So if you're trying to sell to me, you got kind of a, you got kind of a flip of the coin of if I'm going to, uh, to respond or not there on which one's going to be valuable or not valuable, but it's uh, you know, good, credible, good, credible intros are, are very, very important to any sales professional out there. And so Establishing that personal connection, that personal relationship is, is always important in my book. Ah, perfect. Excellent. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. There's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or consulting people, one piece of advice that if they listened, you believe would help them hit their targets, what would it be or why? So for us here that I tell our sales people, you know, the, 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 the common denominators for people who are successful with us as we've scaled and as we've grown and that we've really built up the sales team is, is confidence and process. If you're willing to trust our process, follow our process, follow the value selling framework, follow the lead gen patterns that we've brought in here, you're going to accelerate and you're going to do very, very well. And then on top of that, if you are really confident in you and confident in the data that we're and the data and the products and services that we're providing, you will always be successful. Those are the two common denominators that we have for all of our salespeople here that do really, really well. Once you start walking away from that, that level of confidence in your own abilities, we tend to see people not quite do quite so well. And definitely people that don't follow the process really, really don't, don't tend to do very well either. So really, you know, that, that, com, that confidence in that process and, and, you know, inclusion of other team members. You know, I'm a firm believer that no one should fight any battle alone at this point. For us, we, with us here or with any sales professional out there, I think any good company, any solid company is going to provide help, resources, people. And if they don't have all the canned material and training material that you want, I guarantee that there's people there who are willing to roll up their sleeves and fight the good fight with you and try and, uh, and, try and help you accelerate. So take advantage of all those things out there. Never try to fight anything alone. It's not worth it. Excellent. All right, Gary. So if a listener's interested in uh, connecting with you, more information on inventory, is there a specific place you want them to go? Hit you up on LinkedIn, hit a specific spot on the website. Where would you like to see the audience members go who want more info? Yeah, LinkedIn is always great. Um, I'm a good responder on LinkedIn. I always have it open on my computer here. You can just email me directly, g2walter at infutor.com. I'm, uh, I always have email open, always have LinkedIn open, and I, uh, I try to respond to everybody in a quick, quick and efficient manner. Excellent. Gary, I can't thank you enough for sharing the, the Infutor journey with us today. Congratulations on such amazing success. Uh, it has been great to hear how you have navigated that. There are so many companies out there that don't make it. Uh, you and your team should be proud of the results. And thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you, Chad. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. You know the drill. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. Write us a review on iTunes. And until next time, we have Value Selling Associates. Wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.